And welcome back, everybody, to Phrases Presents, the pre-admission game. It's lovely to have you with us again for yet another episode of our university overview series where we take a look at the universities, the medical schools, I should say, what the course looks like, what the values are, what the interviews at that particular medical school are all about so you guys can make better decisions about how to prepare, what to say on the day, and at the end of the day, which shoe fits, which university you'd like to go to. And <laughs> with us today, yeah, throwback to earlier episodes, which is going to keep the, the shoe motif recurring. <laughs> so uh, joining us today is, is my one and only conversation partner, Mitch Gordon, who you have no doubt all been familiar with through the course of uh, previous episodes. How are you doing today, Mitch? Yeah, I'm doing well. And yeah, it, it, I suppose it is fitting that I present my own university to you and try and give you some uh, background information about the University of Notre Dame, Sydney. You can hopefully put your best foot forward and make sure that that, that shoe is the right fit. <laughs> Absolutely. But I mean, Mitch, you have around four years experience at Notre Dame, isn't that right? That is true. I'm, I'm a fourth year student currently at Notre Dame. Thinking back uh, to the traumatic situation that was my medical interview, I do remember it you know, reasonably well. So um, I am hope that I can give you all some insight into what happens um, and how to prepare best for your Notre Dame interview. Absolutely. Now, for those of us that haven't necessarily been listening from the, the very first episode in this season, can we do a quick recap of who you are and how did you get here? My name's Mitch. I'm a fourth year at Notre Dame University in Sydney. Having said that, though, and one of the great things about Notre Dame is that you have multiple medical campuses, so clinical schools, in different states. So in Sydney, where you do your pre-clinical education, everyone's up in Sydney, you actually have the option to come down to Melbourne for your clinical education. So I'm currently in Melbourne doing my final year of clinical placement. Oh, that's interesting. So you sort of have one foot in both states. You, you have the opportunity to do your Sydney placements, but at the same time, you've been doing a couple of placements here. I, I thought you said you, you went to Werribee and spent a bit of time in St. Vincent, so it's mm. quite an interesting spread. You get a great spread and you get exposure to lots of different hospitals, predominantly Catholic hospitals, and that's you know owing to the fact that it is a Catholic university. The cool thing about the, the different states is that you, at the end of your degree, so now we're getting really like protracted here because we're thinking about the end of your medical school career. You can also end up applying to both Sydney and Melbourne at the highest preference order. You can end up with a good job in Sydney or in Melbourne, which is really you know useful for people who aren't sure where they want to work. So it's essentially, it's about keeping your options open. You, you're sort of preferenced for internships both in New South Wales and Victoria, regardless of where you actually do your clinical placement. Definitely. Because the university sort of spans two states. Yeah, that absolutely. Right? That's, yeah. that's right. And okay. it's, it's, it's a really good asset to the university, in my opinion. I think that the states find it quite difficult to deal with us uh, in terms of administration. But, you know, it's, it's great for you as a person thinking about where you want to go for your medical schooling, the fact that you have these options. So in terms of where I've been, I suppose I did my preclinical um, education up in Sydney. So everyone's up in Sydney. The cohort's about a hundred or so students. But before your admission into medicine? Oh, before medicine, I was a, a biomedical student at the University of Melbourne. Um, so that classic sort of science, biomedical type background. A good thing about Notre Dame is that the, you do have that two-year pre-clinical period to really come to grips with all of those sort of scientific and medical concepts. So really, for those of you who aren't from a science background, it's a great um, medical school in that you have time to get to grips with all of these sort of foundational concepts of medicine. For me, I found it slow in some in some respects, but you know, in that time you have you have more time to think about 
your your clinical skills and your your approach to clinical examinations and things like that. There's so much for you to learn in the amount of time you have at medical school. You know, I wouldn't think that the fact that you do two years of foundational sort of preclinical learning is any detractor from the school itself. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Now, how have you found your medical journey so far overall? Like, j- just in terms of what is your experience and being like? We, we've talked to a lot of people about you know, the academic side of things, the, the course structure, and we'll get that in a second. But have you found it to be, well, I guess, <laughs> colloquially, have you found it to be a good time? Have, is, has it been worth it for you so far, the oh, yeah, medical journey? And I mean, like, ultimately, I, my, my quest, when I was, a, you know, an, an undergrad thinking about my application to medical school, it's just you're wanting to get into medical school. And I made that very clear with myself that I would pretty much go anywhere that would accept me. And Notre Dame just happened to accept me and I was really happy with that. And looking back now, it's been a fantastic experience for me. The cohort size is small. There's loads of social engagements like throughout the weeks and and, and throughout the year. So it's, it's a really like close knit cohort and you actually get to know people from, you know, the cohort above who you have a bit to do with you sort of in the first couple of years, as well as the cohort below you as well. So I think there's a thriving medical student community at Notre Dame. It's also very social justice focused. And and I think that's really important for people who are thinking about applying. This is a uni that's very social justice. um, What do you mean by that? I suppose it's this concept of recognizing that there are inequities in our society and I don't need to list them off. You know, I'm sure that you, you've all thought about it if you're thinking about your applications for medical schools. And Notre Dame really does want to have students in their, in their ranks that are, that are thinking about, you know, wanting to rectify some of these inequities. And, you know, the university does a social justice project throughout the university, which I think is a really great asset to the university's program, which gives you credit for volunteer work and other sort of leadership initiatives that benefit, you know, everyone in society, uh, particularly those who are in need. Interesting. Okay. So there's that sort of uh, spin-off of the Catholic values that you mentioned before? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, it's inspired by Catholic values, but that's also just a, a feature of, of Notre Dame's way of thinking about medicine, I suppose. It's, you could think of it as a Catholic concept, and maybe it does have some academic Catholic foundations. A lot of these religious concepts are very something that you shouldn't think of as the the be-all and end-all of the university. Yes, it's a Catholic school, but just think that it's Catholic-inspired. So, but a lot of our Western values are also Catholic and Christianity, sort of Judeo-Christian inspired anyway. So you really won't feel like you're in a religious institution, um, you know, too much or anything. I I mean, as a non-religious person myself, I haven't found it to be um, at all, you know, overwhelming. My follow-up question to that is that somebody from a different denomination or somebody who perhaps wasn't particularly invested in Mm. in religion, would they feel like a fish out of water at any of these universities? No, no, no. And in fact, like if you're you're from, you know, a a different faith, that's absolutely fine. And I I think it's brilliant in many ways because it brings a different viewpoint to the conversation. And the great thing about Notre Dame is that they really want you to become an ethical doctor, you know, with that social justice focus as well. So if you have a different, you know, religion or a different, you know, viewpoint, it, it'd be really useful to add that to the conversation. And ultimately that, that strengthens the overall cohort's understanding, which is really, really great. Mm. So that's very, very interesting. And I, I've heard you talk, you know, outside of this podcast many times about the emphasis on medical ethics, which Again, and we'll, we'll talk about this later with, with some of our uh, future interview guests, is not as strong at other universities, certainly from personal experience, mm. not at Melbourne University. You don't get that strong bioethics uh, focus, uh, 
it, it's very much more academic. Mm-hmm. We've had a chat about the, the values that sort of encompass Notre Dame. Can you tell me a little bit about the structure of the program? What does it actually look like on the ground? Yeah, so it's similar to ANU and, um, and a few other universities in that you have these two years of preclinical periods uh, where, where you just sort of refine your clinical thinking skills, um, you learn all of your physical examinations, but you don't actually have a great deal of patient contact. Now, that will be a drawback to some, like a limitation that some of you, um, you know, might think. For me, anyway, I did find that by second year, midway through, I was just, you know, hankering to get into the hospitals and start my clinical training. Um, because I think there's, there's so much that you can learn from the hospitals that you can't pick up from a textbook or from any uh, facilitated learning environment. And, that, and by facilitated learning environment, I mean the PBLs, which is the, uh, the structure that we learn um, and are delivered most of our course material. Hmm. Right. Okay. So it's that two and two program, I guess. Yeah, if yeah, you right. guys listen to the ANU podcast that we did, the, we referred to the two and two program, which is you have two years of preclinical preparation and then two years of clinical work. And that's the model that I guess both Notre Dame Fremantle, which is the, the Perth affiliate, mm. and the New South Wales uh, Notre Dame and Sydney affiliate both adhere to. Right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And, and I mean, so if you come from a non-science background, you have so much time to, to learn all of the sort of the pre-medical stuff that you need to enter the clinical environment. You know, if you come from a strong science background, you might think that you know a lot of stuff already. Like that just allows you to enjoy medical school and to, you know, have time for other things, which are really important. Ultimately. And you come out equally qualified on the other oh, side. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's, it's really just shifting things around. Even the schools that engage in a 1-3 program where you have one preclinical year and then three years of, of hospital training, you're still getting those supplementary shoots mm. in those clinical years. They're just interspersed. Definitely. Right? Whereas here, they're condensed into two years. Yes, this should be one of the things that you consider when you're university shopping, but it's certainly not something that should make or break your decision. It's no. not, it doesn't impact the quality of the education that you're getting. And you're still learning so much. I mean, you don't think about it. Like, mm. Yes, there's the textbook learning, but then there's also the professionalism learning and the you know, research learning that we, we've, we've touched on in other episodes as well, where you know, it's, it's, there's so much more to your medical education than just understanding you know, that anato like clinical method that, that, that sort of is, is so commonly taught throughout medical school and so important, but there is other stuff as well that you can also learn. Yeah, we well, have to remember that it is a little bit of an apprenticeship. It's kind of like becoming a plumber or an electrician or really yeah. anything where you are learning from the guidance of your betters, really, people who are already in the professional field. And you're going to get that regardless of what setting you, you observe that professionalism and yeah, so definitely. we've had a chat about the program structure and, and you mentioned before the the research we sort of touch on it um, because it is a recurring <laughs> theme in, in med and we've talked about it in the other podcasts and it's a recurring theme in med degrees nowadays so can you tell me a little bit about the research component of the Notre Dame medical degree yeah yeah and, and I, while I'm there I'll also talk about the ethics component there is a, a big MD focus like every other medical school you have to do some sort of research project throughout your degree. It starts in first year with the sort of selection of your project. And then as you move through, you're supposed to chip away at it over time. And you'll find that if you're really invested in what you're doing, um, you can get a lot of stuff out. If you're wanting to collect your own data, that's also fine. But you know, if you're wanting to do a more modest project, you can also wait until third or fourth year to really get your teeth into it. So it's, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that research is the, the biggest asset of this university. I think what really sets it apart is this bioethics program. Early in first year, you have a uh, like a, a full-on bioethics intensive where you learn all of the big concepts in bioethics relevant to medicine. And in addition to that, you get 
guest lecturers coming in every week to give you some sort of like new ethical insight. Often it's got a Catholic swing to things, so prepare to be challenged if you're you know not from that school of thought. But at the same time, it's it's brilliant because it stimulates conversation, and ultimately you know the it's, it's not about narrowing your 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 vision into into what your worldview is, but also about understanding other people's worldviews. And ultimately, that's what you're going to be doing as a doctor anyway. Mm. I think it's interesting. We've previously touched on the concept of publish or perish, uh, emphasizing the importance of research. But really, as a clinical specialist, you'll find that you make ethical decisions just as often as you make research ones. You still have very difficult cases daily from a social perspective, from you know a medical perspective, do we operate, do we not operate? And all of these things that are discussed at multidisciplinary meetings and are just really a mainstay of your profession, the, nobody, there's no textbook for them. Nobody no. prepares you for this. So whether you are good at them or not, it also correlates to the sort of training and experience that you have. Absolutely, and I think it like, mm. it'll, it's the, the kind of understanding that will lead to you making good decisions that benefit you know, the right people for, for what you're trying to achieve. Mm. Um, and ultimately, you'll be able to go home at the end of the day feeling like you've made the right justified decision, mm. which is you know, protective yeah. for, for many reasons. Absolutely. Like mental health and whatnot. Mental health and you know, career satisfaction. Absolutely. But you know, for all the people that are going to inevitably accuse us of being you know, very fluffy about this concept, <laughs> you, if you're worried about getting into future training programs and the respect that the hospital accords you, you are selected effectively by components of your hospital to advance in your career. Like they, you, you're not plucked out of a hospital and given a training position or a mm, specialty. Right. You're, you're picked by colleagues, members of your department that believe that you have what it takes to sort of progress into college training. And while research is something that buffs out your resume, absolutely, mm-hmm. practical real world doctoring and making difficult but good ethical decisions is just as if not more important. Mm, mm. Right? And Notre Dame, Notre Dame has like that mm. professionalism and an ethical minded practice like really at its core. So it's, it's, a, it's a really strong university. I don't want people to think because, and I'm, I am biased, but I'm also just objective in, in saying that yes, Notre Dame is not like a world-ranked university, but... Oh, I mean, it's, it still is. Every, every <laughs> medical school, okay. it, it still is. But, you know, maybe it's it's no... I don't know, maybe it has less publications than UCIT. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's right. not a UCIT or a, or a uni Melbourne, you know, research output focused university, but they develop great grads. I mean, uh, maybe aside from me. But I have full confidence in, in like the, 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 how like they're going with, you know, producing great graduates. Mm-hmm. So really don't, don't be put off by that at all. Well, we'll, we'll we better stop talking about, about the, how good the program is because we risk sounding defensive, <laughs> I think. Um, but, and then we'll move on to the next part of the discussion. And that really is a chat about the interview. So uh, we've talked about the Catholic values. So I guess the first question I have for you is, how did you feel with the interview? And also this is a portfolio university, so Mm. we should probably chat about that. Uh, Did you feel pressured to include these these Catholic values in your application? Uh, Look, the... so the the university asks you in the application, you know, if you what your your, your denomination is or whatever you subscribe to. But I, I don't think that's a massive focus. At the end of the day, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get good people that are going to become great doctors, and um, you know, and they need to fit in with the university's values in some way. And I think that's not dissimilar to any other university. You know, you, you can learn from, from this for any other medical school. They want you to fit in with their university culture and they want you to become a productive 
member of the medical profession. That's what they're trying to garner in that, that interview process. Um, so, you know, like how did I feel coming into the interview? Like it was, it was scary. <laughs> we, 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 just, we talked about in the previous episode about thinking about the GEMSAS universities and what you do in the lead up to it. And you only have one shot. So there's a lot of pressure on you to, to, to excel in this interview. It's ultimately, you just have to think on the day, you know, like, how do I do this logically? Hopefully I've done some preparation and you should do preparation. Um, but it, it's, it's really like any other, you know, university in, in terms of the MMI format and just going about it in, the, in, in its normal way. Catholicism doesn't really feature in the MMI in the mm. interview. Mm. So you see, so you didn't explicitly mention it in your portfolio? No, no. You didn't explicitly mention... Oh, like, I mean, you could because ultimately the, the, the personal statement is personal. So if that is a feature of you and if that's something that you... Um, that, that is important to you, then definitely tell the university about it. And you don't want to be a sycophant or, or, or a suck-up to the, the admissions committee because people see right through that. Absolutely, and, and not yeah. everyone is a, you know, someone who lives and breathes Catholicism. The university doesn't expect you to be that way. But yeah. they, They'd they be want... out of students if that was the case. You know, <laughs> well, they, they, yeah. they ultimately, they want the people that are going to become the best doctors and you know, make the university look as good as possible. And that speaks for every university, really. So in the interview, I think you just need to be thinking, what is this university after? They're after reflective people who are going to learn from their mistakes, people who are going to be very strong in their professionalism. So people who are going to be professionals, mm. which you know, it should, shouldn't seem like a difficult thing, but in many ways that, you know, the medical profession is, is quite conservative in certain respects and, and has these, you know, very unusual old fashioned hierarchies. But it's important that we are able to conduct ourselves in a way that's going to be facilitative mm. of, you know, relationships in the hospital and also. So, so when they say Catholic, 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 sorry, values, they're really casting the net wide here. There's, you know, it's, we're talking about kindness that is reflected in professionalism. Definitely. They're talking about, you know, hard work in the hospital setting. Yeah. That sort of stuff. We're not talking, not yeah, holier than being, thou, being, pious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're talking about being kind to people and, you know, like being a, a compassionate person. You mm. know, the, these things shouldn't be hard. And hopefully they would be things that, you know, are, are present in anyone from any other university. I think it's just Notre Dame in particular is really looking for them in, in that interview you know, stage. So how did you prepare for this then? So how I prepared, I suppose I, I probably prepared in a, in a way that I wouldn't recommend others to prepare. I, I sort of practice with friends, which I think is good and definitely everyone should do it. But, but, <laughs> but I did not practice specific questions for Notre Dame. So like, you know, thinking about the university and answering my questions in a way that I think my university would want to hear, going back to those values and things like that. Whereas I practice with people who are applying to Melbourne University and other universities. And I think that it's really important that you make sure you spend your time doing university specific MMI practice. Because they are very similar in many ways, but they're also a little bit different in what they're after. Think about being compassionate, you know, being empathetic, having good communication skills, which is general to lots of schools. But I think, you know, in particular, just showing that you can be a reflective, compassionate um, person who's socially justice minded, you know, that's the kind of thing that mm. Notre Dame's really after. And I think that's what you need to be trying to, to, to put out. And I guess this could be said for most universities. At the end of the day, for example, you said when I was interviewing there, they asked me all sorts of MMI ethics scenario questions, but they never asked me about 
know, why I wanted to go to UCID or what my motivation was. Mm. Whereas Uni Mel, that, that question is almost guaranteed. And, you know, mm. why did you want to come here? What have you, what have you done to prepare mm. for medical mm. school? And even if I was ready for the general questions, if you get a question that you don't anticipate, you know, even the format of, you, you shot yourself in the foot by not thinking about how you could go about answering that. Yeah. So Notre Dame is, is really no different to, to most universities in that perspective Absolutely. where you have to come in with a game plan specific to that university. Yeah, so I'd say the takeaway is just, you know, know your university and prepare specifically for the questions mm. that they're going to ask. I mean, we won't go into the specifics of what the questions are, but I think you can appreciate that <laughs> For legal reasons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That universities are, you know, similar but also unique mm. in, in, in what they're after. Okay. And, and hopefully I've been able to sort of give you an idea of mm. the kinds of things that they're after at Notre Dame. Right. And it is an MMI. I think that we, we might have glossed over that, but it's an MMI interview at Notre Dame. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, mixed multiple interviews. Mixed multiple. Mini, <laughs> mini multi multiple. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> this is also going to be one of the running jokes. Okay, good. Now, um, I'd like to talk about something else, which is what I, I like to call the stiff upper lip factor. So uh, we know that some interviews, are, well, some medical schools, I suppose, are a little bit more relaxed. Certainly we see that around the northern coast of Australia, places like JCU, which are very mm. rural-minded, might have a more relaxed attitude. What What is the stiff upper lip factor in Notre Dame, given that it's a very inner-city university, I suppose, yeah. and Sydney of all places? So what kind of dress code do they expect in the interview and what kind of tone do you need to strike? Yeah, look, um, I would like to say that it's not a stiff upper lip, you know, to quote you, university, mm. but I think it is a very, you know, it, it is still quite a serious school. and. And I think on interview day in particular, you do need to be thinking about being reasonably formal. So I didn't personally wear a suit, but I don't think that would be inappropriate. But you, wore, you still wore a college shirt. I wore a college oh, shirt. You know, yeah. I, I tried to dress, you know, how my GPs dress, you know, essentially, like trying to think, what is a, what is a doctor that I understand mm. yeah. and, you know, want mm. to be like? How do they dress and how do they behave? And I tried to just, just to, to feed off that and, and it worked for me. But, you know, thinking about, you know, the tone of the university and the university interview, you know, is it a casual affair? No, it's not. It's an uncomfortable, quite formal affair, really. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and that might be in contrast to other universities like JCU, as you say. You will be competing against people who are very professional. Notre Dame has quite a mature cohort, so that's important to note. There will be people who are lawyers, people who have owned businesses, run charities. You know, that they're very high-functioning people that are very successful in other careers that have decided to come over to medicine. And I think that without trying to make it seem... Inaccessible. Inaccessible. It's very... It's still accessible, but I don't think it's the, you know, a place where you will get away with behaving and looking like a student. You know, you need to look like a professional. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important for, in particular, for Notre mm -hmm. Dame. Having said that, we should also obligatory mention of the fact that, you know, Gold chains and Armani suits, that's that's not part of professional. No, you know, absolutely you, not. It's not about the money. It's about looking appropriate. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just, no, and, and you don't have to be, you know. Yeah. Flashy suits, flashy, flashy colors. Absolutely not. No, not, not you, don't want to, you don't want to look, you know, like you've just stepped out of a uh, Learjet or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. Exactly. You, you want to look like someone who's respecting the occasion um, and showing respect for the university by dressing, you know, as if they put effort into it. Um, and I think ultimately you need to show that you are an open person. Um, and I think that that can be lost if you're wearing tight ties and things like that. So really just strike a balance of feeling comfortable and, and looking open in your body language, but also, 
you know, recognizing the formality mm. of the of the interview. So that's a no on the three piece and the golden watch. That's a watch. No. Yeah. That's a, a strongly not. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Now you you mentioned something else that I'd like to touch on, and that's the cohort. You said the cohort is usually quite mature, so a lot mm. of them are professionals. So what? How does that come to be? So it varies year to year, but um, I suppose it goes back to that portfolio that the university yeah, is. So what up. is the portfolio? What do you actually have to do for that? So the portfolio is a part of the application process. So this is before the interview. And that's where you're going to have to sell your life experiences to the university. It's more about showing that you have skills and leadership. So what's the actual format, though, the portfolio? The format of the portfolio is there are sort of I think there's four sections. It's been a while since I wrote my portfolio, but there are a few sections. You know, I think leadership, community service, and then two others. I think it's like a performance in a life endeavor mm. and, and, and something else. You have to, you have to read the, the, the guide, sorry. The point of it is to just quickly talk about the experiences that you've had so that the university gets an impression of who you are as a person and what you could bring to the university. And I think for people who have these professional backgrounds, you know, lawyers, people who have worked in a pharmacy, people who have like done you know, various things throughout their lives, um, they have interesting things to bring to the table. And overall, I think the university, without knowing anything about their, um, you know, their their application process behind the scenes, it seems like they're curating a cohort of of different people that are going to, um, you know, be able to cross pollinate ideas and learn from each other. You know. Are there are there any particular specialties that tend to recur? Yeah, we get loads of um, pharmacists and physios, mm-hmm. um, and they're brilliant because uh, the pharmacists know everything about the drugs. So when we're you know, when we are going through a, a PBL, and PBL is something we do for our, all of our learning, you know, you learn from your colleagues. So having a pharmacist in the room is fantastic because they know straight away what the drugs are and, you know, what's going to interact and what we need to be mindful of. So it's like, oh, thank goodness they're here. Um, and then the physio is fantastic for all of those musculoskeletal, anatomical type questions and, and understandings. And also, you know, for learning musculoskeletal examinations, they're like the best for that. So Very finicky exam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. So, to learn. Yeah, we, there's, there's plenty of them, but then there's also, you know, people from different professional sectors, scientists, people with PhDs and things. A few people from the military in my experience. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and people from the military as well. So there's, there's a lot of experience coming to Notre Dame, and that, and that to me is one of the, the coolest things about the university. Yeah. So it sounds like the portfolio is a bit of a, like, a resume elevator pitch, where rather than listing off the stuff you've done, you cherry-pick the most important experiences and then you try and pitch them to the university in a way that, that shows you off in the best possible light. You know, why, why this resume, why this person? Mm. Is that a fair description? I think that's, I think that's fair. Mm. And, and then to top that off, you have this personal statement mm-hmm. element, which is going to, you know, it'll, it'll um, make or break your application, I think, mm-hmm. uh, where you really just talk about yourself and your personal motivations towards both medicine and Notre Dame. Mm. And um, I think there's, there's loads of free resources and things online about, you know, how to go about that, um, you know, in more detail. But just to, just to say that it is very important and you should spend a lot of time on it because it's, it's something that the university takes very seriously. Mm. And something that, that our, our team at, at yeah. Fraser's, they read quite a few of those, I hear. But beyond that, I, I guess my question is, you know, if I'm running the gamut uh, of, of the, the Gemstas universities and I'm thinking, where should I apply? Mm. If I'm an undergraduate mm. and you know, I have brilliant marks, but I don't necessarily have a lot of life experience, you know, I haven't necessarily volunteered and, and I've, I've been you know, working at the local cafe, focusing on my marks, as, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are. Is that something that, that would suggest that I should drop Notre Dame a little bit lower on my list? Look, I think I, if you haven't got these assets to your portfolio, I would probably consider not 
applying in the first place. Because mm -hmm. you, remember, you only have five, was, is it five well, or six? There's a few. There's, yeah. You have a limited number of options. And I think that you have to remember that there will be a lot of competition on these, these points of the portfolio. So it's important that you really do think about your skills and what you've done in your, in your life. And, and, and if you can't really assemble a portfolio uh, based off what you've done at present, it would be worth thinking about other universities for that particular application cycle. And then depending on how successful you are with those universities, you might want to think about some other things that you could add to your portfolio in you know, the season coming around to, to apply. Exactly, again. exactly. It's also worth having a chat with somebody who has some portfolio experience to determine whether you do have a portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not always evident whether you do or you don't the thought process should be, do I want to go to Notre Dame? And if the answer to that is yes, right, the next question is, can I assemble a portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. Right, and how can, you know, how, who can help me assemble that portfolio? And, and what are the relevant things that, that can go in there? Mm. Okay, all right. So we've had a bit of a chat about the portfolio. Let's move on to the, the meat of the interview. So MMI, I'm guessing that means one examiner per room? Yep. Exactly. Okay. And, it's, and for me, it was a standard interview for, for MMI where you just sort of run into the room and, um, you know, hopefully not too quickly. Uh, and <laughs> Remember quickly. to knock on the door first, <laughs> say hello, introduce say hello, yourself. Introduce yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you, you're obviously quickly building rapport with the examiner and trying to answer the question that you've been given on the door. And that's, it's a very standard MMI in that sense. They've had to go online as of recent like times because of COVID, but knowing the university, I think they will be eager to go back to in-person MMI interviews like as soon as possible. So if you're thinking about, you know, what should you be preparing for? I think, you know, if we can't get on, on top of this COVID issue, yes, you may have an, uh, an interview online, but I think the university by far and away wants to get to know you as much as possible. And I think that that's, you know, stands to reason from, from their portfolio and the personal statement, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So, so I think, you know, you could probably expect them going back to a... a I, I think know, as we're person. recording this, Sydney has entered a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a two-week <laughs> lockdown, so who knows at this stage. But, you know, if people get their vaccines, guys, get your vaccines. You get your vaccines, <laughs> exactly. Um, um, you know, if, if we can all get vaccinated, and, we, and like, I think looking forward, it'll, be a, it'll, be, it'll go back to that same MMI format. Mm. Um, so in terms of, you know, what happened for me on the day, um, I, I just, I sort of went in. Um, as, as you would normally. I, I, they give you, I think there are a, a few sessions throughout the day. So I, I had a, a lunchtime session. You know, it was a whirlwind. You, you're sitting in this room full of all these other applicants and, you know, people are kind of nice, but also sort of sizing you up at the same time. <laughs> and you, it's, it's kind of a bit of a bullpen. And then, and then the, the university uh, dean comes in and, and has a chat to you all, which is, you know, quite nice, but also very scary at the same time. And you're like, you're thinking, is this part of the test? You're like, uh, what's going on here? Um, but when can I stop being nice? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm smiling a lot. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's an unusual um, place to be. And I think as soon as you walk into the university, you are on record and it, you can assume that the assessment has started in some way. Um, I think that, you know, then you go into these rooms and you mm. undertake your MMI and that just works in any other, you know, as standard for any other university. I don't mm. think Notre Dame has any uh, particular, you know, things about it that make it unusual. You know, um, I know at other universities there are MMIs and panel interviews together. So it's, no, it's a no surprises MMI. Um, I think compared to universities like Melbourne, the MMI stations themselves run for a little bit longer. But so we'll go into we'll we'll have a separate episode deep diving into the mechanics of, of MMI in mm, a bit. Mm, so mm. you're saying cut and dry MMI basically. Cut and dry MMI. 
that's really all there is to it. I mean, you have a rest station in there somewhere where you can collect your thoughts and think think about all the thing, the mistakes you've made. You know? Or not. <laughs> or not. In my so, case, there were many mistakes. Did you, so, how, so you're saying that you, you had quite a stressful MMI experience. What did you do, I guess, before the stations and before the rest or during the rest station to de-stress any strategies? The biggest fear that I had um, and I think it's a reasonable fear to have, is that I would misread the station on the door and go in and say something that just was not on topic. And I think, you know, as someone who's who's examined various things um, throughout my career, the, you need to answer the question to then accurately like assess this person's understanding of what they've said. And if someone's off off track completely from the get-go, like it, it's very hard to mark them highly. So Even if they're, what they said was reasonable, yeah, great. if yeah. they're off target. If they're off target, then they're just off marks. target. And, and ultimately, they need people that are going to be accurate in their medical school. So, right. you know, this is something that, you know, is important to get right. Um, so that was something that I did. But after I'd read it, I would try to sort of just de-stress, you know, take a breather um, and then reread the question again and be like, yes, I'm sure that I've understood the crux of what this station is asking of me. And then I would think about my first opening sentence for answering the question. If I think about a plan too much, it, it trips me up. Um, but what I need is a good one-liner to get the ball rolling for me. Once I've hit the ground running, then I, I tend to, to be reasonably coherent with what I'm saying. So it's about rereading the question at the door, collecting yourself and preparing that first line so you can really you know, have, a, have a soft landing. In yeah, the absolutely. And, and I think that you know, the mindfulness techniques really do play into it. I think you know, thinking about your exhale and your breath and like really trying to calm down. And there are loads of resources online on how to do this. But it's very important that you're able to get a hold of yourself at the door for your MMI interviews. If you have a stuff up in a station, like I had, I had a stuff up in, in my stations as well. And you need to be able to think, OK, that station is done. I'm next, I'm station. next station, and then r rinse, repeat. Mm. And um, it, it was a whirlwind, you know, mm. that, that whole MMI process. Went by quick. All right, we've, we've talked your guys' ears off today about, about uh, Notre Dame. I guess we've tried to squeeze the, the scope of the university and the interview into a very brief uh, and hopefully somewhat enjoyable podcast. So we'll wrap things up here, and we'll you know, ask Mitch, Mitch, do you have any other comments, funny stories, outstanding, interesting facts? Nah, I, I think I think I've given you all yeah all that I have about about the university. But ultimately, I think just to say that it's it's a fantastic university. Um, don't don't be put off by the the religious element. It's it's not um you know not an issue. it's not an issue. And if so, for people from different religions, you know, um, people who may feel like you know their sexuality or anything like that might prohibit them from attending a Catholic institution. Please don't be put off by something like that. There are there are people of all walks of life from you know every background possible, um, with every orientation at the university, and and it shouldn't be something that prevents you from from applying because if you've got the skills and you know you've got the uh, the reflective social justice character like and they want you the university wants you ultimately so please do and apply support you. and they will support you absolutely yeah. and you know and and the the student cohorts themselves are immensely supportive as well so i, I would not be put put off by that and um and definitely apply mm. all right how much did notre dame pay you to say that uh, a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you so much guys for tuning in and we'll see you uh, on the next episode of the pre-admission game yeah thanks everybody.